Well, I know your bulletin says that uh, Brother John is doing the message, but uh, I got a call yesterday. I was down in Worthington, and I got this call. At least I thought it was John. It didn't sound like him. <laughs> but I got a call and said, uh, would you like to do the message today? And so it's a little bit of an impromptu message, but uh, thankfully the Lord uh, laid something on my heart. Uh, it's one of those uh, lucky events. I was actually traveling. I had about an hour to go come back, and so when you have that time on your hands, you just have to shut the radio off and... Just meditate on the Lord and just say, Lord, you're going to have to give me a message because I've got nothing. So, so what I did is I happened to turn around and I took a look and, and uh, what I was doing is that uh, I went down to Worthington. I've got a gentleman down there that uh, had uh, finished up a walleye that I had caught uh, this winter. And so I went down to pick this up. And so when you go into uh, a taxidermy shop, uh, I don't know if many of you have, but when you go into these things, there's <clears throat> beaver pelts, there's coyotes, there's, I mean, any, anything, that you name it. I mean, he's got it hanging on the wall. And uh, the message that the, that the Lord gave me was uh, titled, The Trap of the Enemy. And it was kind of fitting because I thought, well, taxidermy, these guys, they, you know, they trap these animals. And so I kind of put, kind of, put uh, the, kind of the literal and the spiritual side together just to kind of discuss just a little bit about, about uh, what the trap of the enemy is like. Now, <clears throat> I grew, up on a, I grew up on a farm between Russell and Tyler, and uh, back when I was growing up, uh, we raised alfalfa hay, and uh, <clears throat> one of the things that uh, every spring would come around, and all of a sudden you'd get these big old black mounds of dirt in the alfalfa, okay, and I don't know if anybody's seen a pocket gopher, but they've got to be one of the most ugly gophers you've ever seen in your life. They've got claws about this long, teeth, about, teeth to match. And they call them pocket gophers because they've got these big old pockets along their cheeks, and that's how they kind of store their food. And you can, I mean, it's, anyway, they're ugly. Let me just put it that way. <laughs> and they're a nuisance. Uh, you know, if you can imagine, uh, back when I was growing up, we, we would cut alfalfa with a, a sickle blade on a John Deere tractor, okay? And uh, it had little knives that would go back and forth, and every time you'd hit a pocket gopher mound, the thing would plug up, okay? So uh, it was a real test of my character when it came time to mowing hay with a sickle blade, because believe me, it was, there was times when you just wanted to curse and get it over with. And, but anyway, so in the spring of the year, my dad would pay me to go out and trap these pocket gophers. <clears throat> so, in fact, uh, at that time, uh, I think prior to that, I think maybe even Lyon County had a bounty on these pocket gophers, but when I grew up, our county didn't, but in, in Lincoln County, they did. So all you had to do was trap these pocket gophers, bring in their front claws, and I don't know, you got a buck or something like that. Well, for me, back at that time, that was a lot of money. So, but unfortunately, I lived in the wrong county, and so my dad ended up paying me to, pay, to trap these pocket gophers. So anyway, um, what you'd do is you'd go out and you'd find these holes, and you'd find where the gopher had just been digging, and you kind of open the hole up a little bit. And uh, my method, preferred method, was to just lay a trap kind of right in the tunnel, cover it up, you know, nice and dark again. And I'd come back in about six hours, and lo and behold, I'd have a pocket gopher. So anyway, <clears throat> so the message again is trap of the enemy. So I kinda, I'm, I'm kind of one of these guys that has to have a little bit of an object lesson. So I, I, uh, I dug in my, uh, in my garage, and guess what? I come up with a trap. Now, it's rusty, it's dirty, but as far as I know, it still works. At least it did on the stick anyway, so... What I'm going to do here is I'm just going to show you, obviously, most of you know how a trap works. I know a lot of you guys are trappers and you do it pretty regular. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to show this and I'm going to try to do it without getting my fingers in here. So if there's someone close by, like Luke, no. <laughs> this thing goes bad, I want you to come up and save me, okay? 
Anyway, there's springs on this thing, and it's made of steel, okay? And in the middle, there's this pan. And what happens is that you set this thing someplace on the ground, okay? Preferably where there's animals that you want to trap. So the animal comes along, and they step on this pan, and just like that, they're caught, okay? Now, it sounds simple. However, those who have trapped animals know it's not quite that simple. But... So we know what a trap is. We see what that is. In the Bible, they even talk about snares. And snares are a little bit different than traps. Snares are kind of a hoop ring. And basically, you place those kind of in trails where animals might travel. And essentially, what happens is that an animal will come through, and the snare will go around their neck. And as, as they try to fight to get out of it, it keeps getting tighter and tighter until, well, you have an animal that's caught or dead, what have you. But anyway, what, what does a trap do? Obviously, a trap grabs your leg, okay? It holds you. It catches you, okay? Typically made of steel, cable, rope. I kind of put that into the spiritual side. <clears throat> World's full of traps. The enemy has set traps out as well, okay? Um, sin, sin is a terrible trap. We can fall into sin so easily. Uh, there's worldly way of thinking. Uh, it's getting pushed on us every day, you know? They just passed legislation now that... You know, they're legalizing gay and lesbian marriages. Okay, that's, that's a trap. It's a trap of the enemy. What they're doing is they're just trying to uh, allow that into the system and try, try to make it so that it's acceptable in our behavior and our culture. Okay, that's a trap. It's easy to fall into that sort of thing. Even the thinking. Uh, also, uh, how we think in the world. You know, it's a, it's, if, a lot of times in our world we, we think we can do it alone. Uh, as a believer, you should know that nothing uh, comes to us by way of our own power. It's all by Jesus and his power. And materialism is another thing that's really getting to be a trap. Um, and I have to confess, of course, I'm in the car business, so it's a, it's a material thing. Uh, but quite honestly, uh, I've always thought of it as transportation, and that's the way, I, that's the way we look at it. Uh, I think our van's got, what, 160,000 miles, and we're, we just drive it until they don't go anymore. That's just the way I look at it. But you know what? It's not a priority, and materialism in a whole really isn't, isn't a, a fault. It's the priority that you place on it. You know, if you, if you place priority on materialism, where uh, the next thing that I get is going to bring me the joy and the happiness, uh, then believe me, you're, you're falling for the trap of Satan right there. It's the priority that you have to watch out for. The other, the other trap that we have in the world is false religions. Uh, just recently, uh, uh, Taylor's got a friend that's, uh, that's dating someone who is Mormon. And uh, we've actually had a chance to kind of discuss with him and talk with him just a little bit about uh, his situation and, and basically what to expect. And again, uh, if, he's, if you're not wise and you don't know the difference, you know, Mormonism looks very friendly. You know, we've talked about this in adult Bible study. Very friendly religion, very moral, very nice people. We almost had a Mormon president. And I think if he hadn't been Mormon, he, we might have, it, might have had a different president, you know. But, it, it, but it's so easy to fall into the trap that, you know, just because I am good, uh, I'm a believer, I'm saved, or I'm with Christ. And that's not the case. Um, I'm going to be going through some scriptures here. Uh, in Luke 21, 34 through 36, it says, I, gotta, I need to kind of... Go through these. I didn't have time to get them back to Mike on the overhead, so just bear with me just a second. Luke 21, verse 34 says, Be careful 
or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. And that day will close on you unexpectedly like a trap. For it will come upon all those who live on the face of the whole, of the whole earth. So it's something that affects us all. So, so just the worldly thinking, the worldly ways, the way we conduct ourselves in the world, it's easy to become caught up in that. Also in 1 Timothy 6, verses 6 uh, through 9, it says... But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we, bought, for we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap, and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. So if the Bible's talking about this materialism, talking about worldly ways and how easy it is to get caught up into that sort of thing, and I get caught up into that quite easily as well. I mean, it's just, it just happens. It's, just a, it's all around you. Uh, the Bible says we're supposed to live like strangers in a strange land, but sometimes it doesn't feel so strange. Okay, I showed you how this trap works. Basically, it's designed to hold. You know, if an animal happens to step into that trap, it holds you, you know, either by the leg or by the head. Or it's designed to kill you. Some traps actually are designed just to come, come down on the, on the neck and basically just kill the animal. Now, if you're, sorry if you're animal lovers, I'm sorry, but that's, <laughs> that's the way it works, right, Ryan? <laughs> uh, I don't think there's quite as much trapping going on now as there used to be. I think furs, furs don't bring what they, what they used to. But anyway, um, basically you set a trap and you set it off and, and you can see how it's designed. But Satan would love to see a whole church full of people who are ineffective. And that's a huge trap of the enemy. And the entrapment of sin prevents us from becoming mature Christians, uh, not useful. And it can kill your spiritual walk with God as well. Now, here's the thing. If, if you're any kind of a trapper at all, where do they usually place the traps? Do they place them out in the open? I mean, if I were to set it up on a stool here, it's probably un- unlikely that uh, an animal is going to come by and decide to just kind of check it out. Uh, maybe a three- or four-year-old might come up here, so we've got to be careful when we do those. But anyway, typically when you're trapping, you place the traps uh, on trails. You place the traps someplace, sometimes in tunnels. Uh, either way, it's usually close to the home or close to a den. And if you're any kind of a trapper at all, basically what you're doing is you're studying the habits and you study the patterns of the animal to determine where and when they're going to be along. Typically, you try to figure out where they're vulnerable. Okay. So where does Satan place his traps? Same place. He studies our patterns. He studies our habits. He knows where we're vulnerable. He knows where we've fallen in the past, and so guess what? That's exactly where he's going to place a trap. If you're susceptible to alcohol, guess what? If you go into a bar, there's going to be a trap there. Satan places a trap there. If you're susceptible to drugs and you place yourself in a situation where they're present, guess what? You're going to be susceptible to that sort of thing. Sin is the same thing. Uh, If it hadn't been for... uh, Well, and where it's at. You know what? If you look in Genesis... Look in Genesis 4, verse 6 and 7. It kind of gives you an idea where, where sin usually is, is hiding out. In Genesis 4, 
verse 6 and 7. This is the story of Cain and Abel. And in verse 6, uh, Cain's been angry uh, at Abel. And the Lord says, Cain, why are you angry? Why is your faith face downcast? If you do what's right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching where? At your door. And that's usually where it's crouching. It's close by. And that's right where the trap is set. And it says here, it desires to have you, but you must master it. And we can master it. But we can't master it alone. We have to master it with Christ's power. So anyway, so the Satan studies our habits. He studies our patterns. He knows where we're vulnerable. If we've fallen before, we'll probably fall again unless there's a change. Um, I know we talked about this in our elders' meetings. Uh, there's many churches that, uh, when they're counseling, uh, very strict rules on, on when they counsel. Like, for instance, if a, if a pastor is counseling a, a female, there's going to be someone present in the room at all times. I mean, it's just, uh, just to protect against any accusations. So, I mean, there's a trap that can be happening there if we're not wise, if we don't see those things coming. So, what makes a trap like that so effective? Well, number one, it's where we place it, kind of it's in the home area. But the other thing, too, is if you just laid, uh, like when I trapped pocket gophers, I'd put it down the tunnel, but I just, just didn't lay it there because obviously it, even a gopher, as intelligent as that gopher might not be, would, would just stumble across it. But usually what you did is you dug it down into the ground, you kind of covered everything up back with dirt again so it would cover the scent. So it made it feel just like it was supposed to be. So it was a concealment thing. So the traps are typically concealed. Traps also uh, is a deception. It's a deception making it look like things are as they're supposed to be, but they really are not. So if a snare, for instance, is over a hole in a, in a fence where most animals happen to go through, it looks like it's fine right up until you jump through it. And then the other thing is, uh, is bait. A lot of times when you'd go trap a fox, you'd put it out in a field area close to their dens, and you'd cover it up with grass and straw. Sometimes, you know, if you were deer hunting, maybe you had a fresh, fresh cleanings of a deer, first thing you did is you'd set traps around this cleanings of the deer, and the next day you'd have a fox. You know, now there's not many fox around. Maybe you'd have coyotes now, but typically they're concealed and it's, and it's something that's just not expected. And so what happens is that uh, the bait uh, and the hunger of an animal basically drives this animal to get out and get out to hunt. And so they need to be on the move. Now, our sin nature also has an appetite. Um, it's a battle that's going on inside of us. And Paul writes about it in Romans uh, 7, uh, 14 through 25. I'm going to turn there now. <clears throat> Not about, I don't know about you, but this, this, this passage makes me feel a lot better because if someone like Paul can say something like this and, and have problems, at least I know when I'm struggling and I have problems, I'm not alone. But it says here in, in, uh, in Romans 7, Verse 14, it says, We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. For I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. And what I hate to do, uh, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that nothing good lives in me, 
That is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what's good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good that I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin living in me that does it. So I find that this law is at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So he gives us the idea of what the struggle is really truly like. We've got these two two battles going on inside of our body. We've got one which is the sin nature, which everyone has, things that desire the fleshly things, things that desire uh, self, the self-motivation. But on the other hand, we know the things that we should do. And so this thing is battling inside of us. And so um, I know someone, someone said, what does it mean to die to self? That's what it means to die to self. You're, you're killing that sinful nature part of your, of your body. Every morning, sometimes you have to get up and kill that thing. But many times we've talked about how we don't like to leave it dead very long. We get over there and start blowing air into it and giving it CPR and bringing it back to life. But we need to leave that die, leave it lie. So anyway, this appetite, the sin appetite is what, is what ensnares us a lot of times too. So again, it's one of those things where we have to give, give ourselves um, time to recognize the trap of the enemy and get out of the way so that it doesn't ensnare us. Now, Satan has probably, I think, his most effective trap. And we talked a little bit about this yesterday. We were at a funeral for Shirley Cadwell. That's my brother's uh, mother-in-law. She was down here at Colonial Manor. It was a fabulous service. Fabulous. Uh, Pastor Ryan from Scandia did the message and just did a fantastic job about, really, about what it's all about. He said, this is a celebration. Today we know this is a celebration because we know that Shirley had given her life to Christ. And so he says, we don't mourn as if there was no hope because we know there's hope. And so it was just a fun message. But anyway, uh, he was talking about the, the, uh, the trap of Satan. Satan, And I believe that most believers recognize sin that's in our lives. The real trap of Satan is getting people to believe that they're saved when they're really not saved at all. And we've mentioned this a few times too in church. And it's basically just the difference between head knowledge, knowing Jesus, versus the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And there is a difference. I grew up in church, and uh, if, you watch, uh, you know, the, the, if you watch on sporting events uh, on TV, someone might flash a banner with a scripture on it. What banner usually do you see him flash? John 3.16. For that says, for God's soul of the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Okay, so there it says right there, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And I think many people believe in God. It's a great thing. But as human beings, we're smart. In fact, uh, we have the ability to believe with our heads, but not with our hearts. And so... It's a, it's, a trap, uh, it's a trap of Satan <clears throat> because he thinks that if you're saved and you're really not saved, everything's fine and well. You don't know the difference. You don't know, the, you don't know where, we sit, where we stand. In Isaiah 29, 13, 
It says, um, the Lord says, These people come near to me with their mouth, and they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is made up only of rules taught by men. So the Lord knows the difference between worship that's coming out of just a head knowledge and worship that's coming out of a heart that's uh, sold out for Christ. If you do a word study on the word believe, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that John 3.16 is contradicting uh, the passage in Isaiah. <clears throat> on the contrary, if you, if you do a word study on the word believe, uh, it's, the word believe is more of an action word. It's something that you do with your whole mind and your body and your soul. And you act upon the belief. It's a, it's, a, it's a belief that brought change in the person who believed. Uh, not partial, but with wholeheartedly. So when they changed, it was an about face. So when they believed in something, they no longer walked down this path and just said, okay, yeah, I believe this, but I'm still going to go down this path. No. They believed with their whole body and their whole mind and their whole spirit. So when they believed in something, they changed path and they changed their life. That's the belief that's what the believe means when we read that in John 3.16. <clears throat> in, uh, in James 2.19, this is always a lesson that I, you know, when someone says, well, I believe in Christ, and I think most of you know where this is going, but it, it says here in James 2.19, it says, you believe that there is one God. Good. It said, even the demons believe that and shudder. So what James is saying here is that if we, believe, if we just believe in God, our faith system is no different than that of a demon. It's more than just believing with your head. It's more, it's more about having the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And that Holy Spirit living inside of us should produce a change. And it should be recognizable. It should be a change that, that, that basically glorifies God in all that we do, whether we're at work, whether we're at play, whether we're in church. So that's the change that he's talking about and believing with our whole heart. Now I also had alongside of me, like I said, I, we talked about traps this morning, but I also had this fish that I brought back. And if I would have had time, I'd love to put that up on the, on the, on the overhead. But it was a 30-inch walleye. It was fantastic, fun to catch. Um, but companies spend millions of dollars making a piece of plastic about this long Look like, our, look like the real thing, artificial bait. It works. <clears throat> but if you take a minnow and you hold it up against like a rapala, for instance, and you hold them both in your hand, it becomes pretty obvious that one's a fake and one's real. But first, you really have to know what the real is in order to identify what the fake is. And what's real is, is the true original. Uh, the one true God. He is the original. So in order for us to identify the counterfeit, the devil, and some of his traps, we need to know who Christ is. And how do we get to know him? It's right here. This is how we get to know Christ. This is a living word of God. It's not a dead. It's not words that are just wrote on a page that were meant for people 2,000 years ago. These are words that are meant for us. This is the word... Uh, it has everything that we need to know about life and death, and it's written right here and how we live our life. And it's full of life. It's the living Word of God. It's not, like I say, it's not a dead thing. 
And in here is the truth. And if you're, and if you're looking for a way to avoid the traps of the enemy, get to know God. Because the more you know God, the more the traps are going to seem very, very obvious. So truth in the Bible is revealed by the living word, and it brings eternal life. And I'd like to end here on Ephesians 6, uh, verses 10 through 11. And it's titled, The Armor of God, and most of you know this as well. But it says, finally, it says, Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the, de- de- uh, the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, and against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And so he's talking about putting on the full armor, like the, you know, the, the stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness. Those are the things that we have to put on every day. But if we're not in the Word, it's hard to put that armor on because this is, this is where we get the armor, right here. So with that, I'd just like to uh, close here with a word of prayer. And if you guys want to come up and... Yeah. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, I just thank You so much for Your saving grace and the saving knowledge of Your, of your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, that is made known to everyone so that everyone is without excuse. Father, that we know uh, that your, your Son brings eternal life and the truth that's revealed by your living Word is our guide, Father. And we just thank you for that. Father, we ask that you would protect us from the devil's, devil's schemes. He's, he's tricky. He is, um, he's always trying to uh, entrap us. Father, we just ask that you would just watch over us. Lord, keep us out of the places that cause us trouble, Father. And we just ask this in Jesus' name. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. As Darren was speaking today, I just couldn't help but think of the song that we wrote.